seeking collaborations with influential people, at GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. My guest speaker today is a British-based environmental psychologist, well-being consultant, and the founder of Essentialized Workplace being well-being he has spent the last 10 years building his business and working in a variety of industries to begin to understand the intricacies of human performance and well-being having spent time working in the local government and elite sports as well as building a video game business which he recently sold he has refined a deep understanding of how physiology psychology and leadership combine to create an organizational cultures which promote well-being behaviors he has a thirst for knowledge shining isolation and practicing being a polymath with qualifications in nutrition sleep and movement to complement his degrees his mission is to impact the health outcomes and happiness of a million individuals in his lifetime this is fueled by his own mental health challenges redundancy and losing the ability to walk in 2014 an inspiring character indeed welcoming lee chambers to get to know you welcome lee it's great to be on today tiffany thank you for having me Thank you for coming on. So I think first, I think it'd be great, I guess, to, uh, you know, give the give the listeners a bit about your business and, and how you've been helping others um, in their leadership roles. Yeah, so my business, it has two sections and we have an individual coaching section and a workplace wellbeing section. And the overall and overarching aim of both of those is to help empower others and build environments and communities where people empower and inspire each other so a lot of the world around well-being is focused on trying to implant knowledge and awareness which in its own way is valuable i do run workshops and courses to give people a level of awareness around things that sometimes they may take for granted they may not be aware of and that they may in some ways, consider useful insights and ideas to take forward. And yet, in so many ways, the larger part of my work is helping people to really refine purpose and mission that includes individuals I work with, but also companies, so they can live in accordance with their own values, have clarity on that. And that, in its own way, then starts to inspire motivation it starts to inspire engagement and it starts to build both individual personas and organizational cultures where well-being can thrive because the fundamentals of appreciation autonomy understanding values clarity and direction are there 
And with that, people can be more consistent with improving their own health behaviours. They have more ownership and responsibility. And in so many ways, that is what empowering people's well-being is about. It's not about telling them what to do. It's not about bringing solutions into a workplace and hoping it will embed organically. It starts from within, from both within a person and within an organisation. And that increased awareness when embedded with action that's measured and tested and iterated, creates growth and creates, in so many ways, a framework for people to gradually move towards the potential in a healthier and happier way. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that. You know, like a lot of people always feel that my values have to be separate from my workplace and from my career and from my work. And my, you know, a lot of people struggle with like, I guess, being, you know, their well-being in effect that they, you know, either wanting to be authentic all throughout their life, but they're not being able to be that in a workplace. Whereas like they have to change their, or put up a persona or change certain characteristics or traits about themselves in a workplace just to make things kind of go smoothly. So would you say like part of what you're, what you're doing too, is that you're allowing, you know, a person who is in their personal life in one way, but trying to get them to keep that and embed that those values and authenticity that they want and keep that and maintain it in like a a, a workspace? Yeah, so in many ways, it's about helping leaders to become more self-aware themselves, to start to lead themselves first, to show that other people can lead themselves and empower them with that mission, but also being clear on what the business is a vehicle for so people can attach their values to that vehicle or start to realize that actually this business as a vehicle is not the vehicle that will travel on my mission, that will assume my values. And sometimes with my individual clients, it leads to them reconsidering the career or the company that they work for. It's not the buzz that's going on their journey. And there's nothing wrong with assessing that and really spending some time to define who you are authentically And sometimes saying, this buzz is going up this mountain and I'm going to get off at the next stop because that mountain is not connected to my values. It's not aligned with my purpose. It's not going to be my authentic expression as I travel. And that sometimes is a difficult decision to make. And yet our work is not separate from our lives. Our work is integrated as part of us in so many ways. It's like a cog that turns inside of us. And when it doesn't align with your values, it really starts to grind. Over time, that causes you psychological damage to a point where the wider the gap between your career values and your personal values, the wider the gap, the more it eats away at you over time. And there is a massive power when you find somewhere, a career and a place and a culture to work in, where you are working towards not only the company's values and the company's mission, but yours at the same time, that's how you suddenly have the motive, have the power to wake up and feel like you're aligned and making a difference every day. All of a sudden, it doesn't become a job. It doesn't even become a career. It becomes your calling. What you are doing is calling you forward. That gives you massive engagement. It gives you passion. It 
gives you the productivity that's not forced, that's not strained, that's not hustle. It's organic. Yeah. You are making that progress because you want to travel in that direction. This is the vehicle for you to move towards your potential and start to actualize your visions while making a living that pays you and amplifying what you actually want to achieve with a group of other people knitted together who can create a bigger impact than you could on your own. Absolutely. That's absolutely. That's really well said. I think people forget, like I don't, they don't realize most of your life is spent at work. So why would you want to keep, you know, just going with the, like kind of the routines of things and just, you know, why don't you want to be engaged? Why wouldn't you want to be motivated? This, you know, your workplace and your work environment and the people you are working with are like, you know, you're in a relationship with them kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're like, that's where you're spending most of your time more than with your personal, more than in your personal life. Yeah. And in so many ways, if we kind of take education where it's available, generally mandatory, which is important that we all get some kind of definitive base to work from. And don't get me wrong. Education has a lot of missing pieces a lot of issues and embeds a lot of elements that are not particularly productive to modern life, to the future that we're moving towards and just to human development. Like in so many ways, we've got maths and English and all these technical skills. There should be a class from nursery and kindergarten all the way through to the end of the educational cycle, which really is when you die about understanding yourself as a human absolutely absolutely i don't know why we don't have these like you know empathy kind of classes or you know um understanding understanding ourselves understanding other people like there's so much that we could embed in the education system that will actually benefit us understand money what we do with money understand the environment like you know that we should embed all throughout all throughout our education system we're stuck on something that's thousands and years old i don't know why yeah, the, the, tr- the truth is when you look at it from a wider perspective, curriculums are designed on what's happened. The teachers in the classrooms are, have been trained based on what's happened. <laughs> and it's actually much easier to teach people about a world war or to, or to solve a quadratic equation than it is to foster creativity and understand how resilience works. But... They're things that people and young children can be equipped with to practice. So by the yes. time they're an adult, they suddenly have the cognitive flexibility, the emotional resilience, the ability to find creative flow, the ability to communicate on a deeper level and be much more self-aware. And yet for some reason, because it's not the easiest thing to teach and a lot of teachers themselves have not gone for a system that has brought out their skill in this area it's hard for them to then deliver it yeah yeah absolutely i was just thinking now what thought came to mind is maybe we should have well-being consultants as the teachers all throughout education because then that that's their job isn't it to like question like what's going on in yourself in your life wouldn't that be something like with children well-being consultants for children or not just children, but all throughout our education system instead of like the normal teachers. You should be hired as a wellbeing consultant instead. And I kind of think it'd work as a hybrid model where 
people have been taught the technical skills and there's no doubt there is value in learning history, geography, mathematics, English. There's value in that. But to be honest, when you ask a group of adults to look back on what they now utilise in their everyday life and you take a wide slice of society, people in completely different industries and different roles, and you ask them, from your education, how much are you taking and applying on a daily basis? Yeah. I realise that many of the things that they learn to get through an exam were just to get through an exam. That's it. And this kind of segues into our question where in so many ways, education is designed to find the answer, get a solution so you've got an answer, but work out the answer, get to the answer, give the answer, answer's correct, well done, congratulations. That's it, and yeah. In so many ways, if we're going to become more self-aware, become more emotionally intelligent and be able to empower others, we need a lot more than answers because answers don't help other people. Google gives answers to almost everything. The real power comes in being able to listen and properly, truly listen on a deep level and to ask questions of ourselves and of others. And those are both skills that require cultivating and we get better at them. And as we get better at those, we get better at listening to our own intuition, which becomes stronger. And all these elements build together to put people in a position where they have a very strong, authentic sense of I, and then they can take that I to help other people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I guess too, like, you know, as you were saying, like maybe like well-being should be like the core of the education system and then maths, English and science, like all these other things should be, you know, they can still be there, but the, not the core. The core would be well-being. Um, you just mentioned that it's a little bit of our question. So for the listeners, our question today is how can we probe someone to empower themselves? Now, when I first um, told you this question, what are some, I guess, what were some first things that came to your mind? Yeah, so some of the first things that came to my mind were initially, we have to be able to show other people through action, through the small things, if we want to be able to empower them to find themselves. Because again, we live in a world where there's lots of information, lots of inputs, lots of stimulation, and lots of advice that's meted out on a daily basis. And that, in so many ways, doesn't incite people to want to dig into themselves, find their own answers, start to ask themselves their own questions. And again, to go back to questions as a skill, the value of your answer will be based on the quality of your question. And at first, when we ask ourselves questions, it's, it's not great. It requires practice. We, when we start asking ourselves questions at the very top level, we ask ourselves poor questions. We then get poor answers, which quite often manifests itself in negative self-talk as we gradually criticise ourselves. Exactly. If we're going to ask ourselves a question and it's poor, then we're going to get a poor answer. Yeah. And that's going to reflect and 
start to imprint on us. And yet, when you don't start to practice that on a daily basis to gradually increase that self-awareness, you'll spend much of your younger life asking yourself poor questions and giving yourself poor answers, which we start to absorb. Our subconscious starts to bleed into, and we start to actually believe that that is true. Yeah. That is us. We, we're not great at understanding that a thought until we properly articulate it by writing it down or expressing it to others. Just quite often generally think that what we think it's true. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I guess too, like, you know, when I, when I, when I think of this question, I'm thinking of the people that I surround myself with. Yeah. And, you know, when you're kind of seeking, you know, so say you want to uh, change a career or you, you want to make a decision in yourself or you're worried about a problem or uh, you want to improve something or something like that. And you're trying to seek an answer. You don't know the answers yourself. Obviously, like you said, we do this negative self-talk or we get stuck and we only have the same answer for the question that we have. We, we keep saying the same answer. That's not making us feel like it's not sitting well with us. So yeah. a lot of the time, you know, you, you, you sit with a friend or you sit, we sit with someone and you kind of want to like talk it out. But I think, you know, what I find is, you know, that not many people know how to probe another person to, to empower themselves. They don't know how to probe someone, ask them instead of, you know, someone coming to them with like a question or like a problem or something. They just tell them, you should do this instead of, well, what about, like, have you thought about this? Or, well, what if blah, 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 blah. Like give them another question or another scenario relative to the same thing. And, um, you know, they, they, all they do is they just sit there like throwing out other questions and other alternatives, not alternatives, but other questions so that you can kind of, you know, find either different answers or another perspective or clarity on what you truly, like the decision that you truly want to make. But, you know, the, I guess the problem here is that so many people in our lives don't know how to do this for another person. It'd be a family member or a friend. So like, yeah. um, why do you think that is for, I guess that would be a good place to start. Why are we not able to, what, why are we not able to probe another, probe someone? So I think quite often it comes down to multiple areas. Firstly, as human beings, we are quite target driven and solution orientated. And for many people, when someone that they care about comes to them with a conundrum, with a problem, we quite often jump straight in to think, how can we get this solved? And what that does is it takes us vertical, straight to, I can put this through the lens of my own life and this is how I would do it. Or I've had a previous experience that resembles this and this is what I did. Naturally, to help people to empower themselves and find their own answers, vertical isn't very effective we need to actually drop down nice. and step to the side yeah because i'll think yeah. too when you when you take that vertical approach that's not making the other person feel empowered and it's not you know a lot of the time you kind of you know i'm sure you felt it too when someone's trying to tell you you should do this you kind of you, you almost there's a bit of defensive if it's not sitting well with you you're kind of like this is not making me feel good this yeah. is not this is not something that fits well with me, with, uh, aligned with what I want to do. Yeah. So how I kind of think and I approach that with clients is instead of always going vertical, it's very important to go lateral. But 
not your lateral, their lateral. You are effectively stepping sideways into their shoes because to empower them, you firstly need to have a very, you know, a strong understanding of yourself. That self-awareness then gives you the power to almost transmute that empathy and compassion and care for the other person so that you can third person out into their shoes. Yeah. When you're in their shoes, you can then start to really, in some ways, feel a little bit of their their concern, their element. Sure. That gives you the ability to then start to ask them questions to expand that. So you step to the side into their shoes, but you can't see the vertical in their shoes, but you can ask them questions to start to build upwards, to start to get more of an understanding of what they see. And by doing that, they start to get the vertical element in their shoes as well. Do you think then that people, like you're saying, you know, obviously you need to have a good sense of self and you've, you, you ha- you're able to question yourself and have this self-awareness. But so would you say then people who don't do that are not able to probe another person to empower themselves? I would say that it's more difficult to empower them and to help because it's so multifaceted the way that we help to probe and empower others because we all have wisdom to share and it's kind of starting to understand that in a world where so much advice is given that wisdom has a time and a place yeah, and, you need to stop it you know just put yeah. a muzzle, kind of almost put a muzzle on it and just like let me put my take myself out of this put myself aside it's not about me and and then when you're saying, I guess, take a lateral approach, like what kind of questions or what kind of things or when you say that, what do you mean? So in so many ways, someone comes to you with a problem and naturally you jump to start solving it vertically. You actually have to give them the space. You need to actively listen. By actively listening, you're starting to pick up on the things that maybe they're not saying the body language, the scenarios and how they are framing the situation. Because when we step step to the side, we get headspace. We actually don't jump. We are in their shoes. We are in that moment. We are mindful. We are there. And that gives them the space to articulate. And we start to be able to think how we can unpick some of the things that have been said and some of the things that haven't been said. But, if we're there on our vertical path thinking, what am I going to say next? You're not there and present to hear what's being said no. and to hear what's not being said. Exactly. You don't have the space to question because you're too busy building your next answer. Yeah. And sometimes people actually need you to ask them a question which allows them to sit in silence. It's not particularly comfortable if you are not very self-aware you really feel the need to jump in that silence and try to help and we all have you know these elements of superhero mentality of saving the people we care about it's depicted in society bravery courage running into the burning building the reality is 
courage is to speak one's heart by saying one's mind. What actually, in the bigger scheme of things, is giving people the space to step a little bit outside of their comfort zone, that little step. And you're in their shoes taking that little step with them. Yeah. That is true courage. That is how they start to push their boundaries and limits a little bit to become more self-aware themselves. And that starts that little bit of momentum of them gradually starting to step out. And when they start to practice stepping out, that's how they start to become empowered. That's sure. how they start to see that everything that they need is within inside of them. The potential is there. Someone believes in me, but they're not telling me what to do. They're almost yeah. modeling and showing me how to get that little bit further outside my comfort zone. Yeah. I can practice that. And it's someone who I am with, who I trust, who's authentic and they're willing to give me elements of feedback. So in so many ways, advice isn't very powerful. No, no, exactly. Encouragement is absolutely little yeah. bits of feedback give when pe- when it's given because again feedback in a workplace scenario sounds like you're about to get in trouble yes it does it definitely does <laughs> i guess like some things that you kind of mentioned there like this speaking out to me is that person is not you were saying that um listening to the things that aren't being said like because that's where like although if you're hearing the thing that's being said a person already knows like that's where they're stuck on. That's what they're. That's what they're feeling. But if you're noticing, I think what's been, what's not being said, that's what a person doesn't know about themselves. You know, yeah. you don't. You don't know what these external things and external kind of behaviors you'll fit like, what you appear to look like, I guess, or, or what you sound like, or the word maybe you're kind of stuck on. Um, with yourself, someone else will be able to point that out to you, and then kind of ask you a question relative to that which yeah. will kind of take a look, you know, when I'm being probed by someone, I'm always kind of in a way taken by surprise, but it's like when they ask something, it's like, Oh, and then you think something relative, you know, to yourself. And it's like, okay, this is kind of thrown another, a nice kind of object here. Uh, and, uh, you know, you start to um, re- you know, remodel your, your answer. You start to kind of add to it or kind of or shape it up into something else. And that's, I think, that's the empowering part when you, where you, you know, you're not telling someone what they want to hear and you're not telling and, you, and you're truly hearing them. And I think the other key then that you also mentioned is sitting in silence. When, you're, when someone comes to you, I think, with a problem or something and they're talking to you about it, I would almost not say anything for a while just let them like talk it out i think that's where what that's what works best with me when people do it with me and almost like um you know then you kind of throw some you know some other questions in in out there you're not trying to say anything you're just throwing some questions out there and again let them sit with the question yeah i think yeah a lot of people don't know how to sit in silence with people i think that that's that's probably a big problem it's a, it's a trained skill. And I think other things to consider, by building your own self-awareness, we all have blind spots. No matter how self-aware we are and how enlightened you might think you are, we all have really big blind spots, especially for people that we're close to because we have preconceived judgments that even the most skilled coach finds it difficult to unpick 
because you know this person and therefore your brain can race off. And it's about starting to peel back that judgmental attitude because that blocks you from helping people to empower themselves because you're already judging and considering solutions. But being aware of your own blind spots, your own biases, helps you ask more effective questions. It also helps you understand that as you listen and absorb, when people are embroiled in something they consider to be a difficult time, their blind spots come to the fore. And therefore, when you see that, so often the words that they say, the tonality that's used, the non-vocal body language, it tells you another story on top of what you've been communicated absolutely it's a whole other story yeah when we're there in that moment to be honest it's not very easy for us to articulate emotions and feelings it's much more easier for us to articulate tangible things and Mm. describe them that's a really great point like you know when we're in the heat of something and there's a problem or something that we're feeling and going through we're not actually able to articulate ourselves well we're not able to actually say, you know, this is actually how I'm feeling about this and this is why it's making me feel a bit distressed or, or worried or worrisome about whatever. You're, you're absolutely right. That's why I guess the key here is listen to the things that aren't being said because we're not able to really uh, truly articulate ourselves well. So that's a, that's a great point. Yeah, and I think in, in so many ways, again, you give people the space and they start to be able to articulate it a little bit clearer. If anything, your questions give them a lens to look through that makes it a little bit clearer for every question that you ask. And yeah. what you're doing is you're then enabling them to see a bit more clearly. The more you enable the ability to see clearly, the more the person who you're helping can start to see their answers more clearly. That's it. Their world more clearly. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I guess like when, when, when you're, when, when you're saying that, um, I guess what come what was coming to my mind, I just lost it then for a minute, um, that being able to ask the right questions as well, like I think that is key. Like can you ask, can you probe someone in a way that you're, you know, you think you're kind of empowering them but you're not? Like are, you, are they wrong questions to ask too? I think that's where people would have a problem. Like I have a difficulty doing. Yeah. And again, that is, it's an element of practice. See, when we're looking through our own lenses and we're trying to battle with that judgment, what quite often happens is we start to ask questions that are directive. And when questions are directive, we're actually disempowering the other person because we're directing and navigating the conversation. Sure. Really, it's our job yeah. to direct, for them to direct they should be talking more. They should be leading the conversation. When we give them the space to do that and use the questioning that's open, but also is almost from, because again, you've got your own intuition. Our gut feelings are incredibly strong. And we so rarely we'd listen to them. No, we can't really hear them. It's like we, we always know the answer, but we don't really can, can't hear it so clearly. I guess another great thing I think if you could do for us is could you give me an example? Could you show it like, you know, give us an example of something or someone and you go, you know, what are the wrong ways 
what wrong questions to ask that wouldn't empower somebody and then kind of give us give me some other kind of I guess questions that would would empower the person a scenario of some sort yeah so I mean quite often in in my work it's very dependent on the on the conversation that you're having but what it becomes what it starts to boil down to is understanding of how certain words can be framed in certain situations so, for example yeah so you can imagine typical questions you know why what how when they can work but quite often if you look at a why question why can quite often transmute an element of why like that. know the answer like tell me the answer yeah. kind of way so it, sure it's, it's it's directing and it's pressuring and quite often a why is suggesting that it's that person's issue in terms of saying why did you act that way in that situation so what it does is and quite often I'm working around workplace conflict for example so if you say why did you react that way what you're saying is they reacted incorrectly. Yeah. That's what you're inferring. So you actually, you flip that on its head and start to say, how can we see it from a different light? What got us to a point where we felt that way? So it's instead of putting the scenario there and saying, this is a problem, why did it happen? Mm. We actually help people to step back a little bit and start to almost look at what happened from a third person perspective, like they were watching an action movie. And suddenly what that does is it takes them out of their own mind. So instead, like in saying, why do you do that? It's like, well, what were you feeling? Yeah. In that moment kind of thing. Yeah. So, so you wouldn't really go about, don't, don't use why um, as for like, yeah often, questions. often why will disempower people put people in a more defensive state because it's very difficult to use it without suggesting that somebody did something that wasn't right and even in a coaching scenario where i'm coaching someone who deep down they know that they didn't live up to their you know to their own standards in a situation it's really important that we don't apportion blame because blame makes people defensive. And we so often do that with the way that we question. It's actually quite powerful if we do that ourselves. So if we teach people to ask questions of themselves. So quite often when I'm working with people on resilience and mindset and they've been through challenges and we all go through challenges in life, I will say, you know, if we start to ask ourselves questions, we'll be able to navigate things more easily. So a simple question is, is this helping me or harming me? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden people can ask that in situations where they're having negative thoughts, where they're catastrophizing. And it just breaks that pattern. And all of a sudden can give you clarity when you ask a powerful question. And again, that's not the question we most often ask ourselves in that situation is, why are you having these thoughts? Yeah. 
And yet, suddenly, your ability to ask yourself, calmly, is this helping me or is it hindering me? Yeah, yeah. So, and, great question to, to you really, like, you yeah. know, I think that would that's a definitely an empowering question. Yeah, and, and that's the kind of difference because we do live in that world where we expect to be positive. And when that negative thought comes, we are quite often we're critical about critical of ourselves. Why? You know, why is this coming? But and as human beings, we have a negative bias. It's what keeps us alive. Yeah. And those negative thoughts, they stick to our brains like Velcro. And the positive thoughts just slip off like Teflon. Yeah. And yet with practice, those negative thoughts will come. We are human beings. We have to process those. And it's how we respond and react to those. And the ability to question helps knock ourselves out of unhelpful patterns of thinking. That means that we can actually utilize those negative thoughts as a guidance for life. Because again, so often our intuition is right. If we're feeling negative, if we're feeling a bit down, there's a reason there. We start to listen, we start to question, and then we start to understand why. And like another thing that I quite often suggest in this position of empowering other people is when you step laterally into their shoes, consider the timing and consider the frame of mind of the other person. Mm. Because words matter situationally. There are times to ask a probing question. There are times to give people space and come with a probing question at a later point in time. I guess like when someone comes to you and they want to like, hey, I really need to talk this out with you, that's the time and place. You're yeah. not meant to just and do it and just kind of out of your own kind of will. Yeah, because sometimes when you start to become more self-aware and you have a real desire to help people, you can almost pressure it and then it loses its authenticity. And you can sometimes probe people when they're not in that place. They don't want to start digging into themselves. No. And again, as we start to... But I feel, sorry, before you say go on, um, I feel that almost people, a lot of people are always in that space where they don't want to dig in themselves, where they don't want people to probe them. Like most people are in that space. They don't want it at all. Yeah. And And I think that, again tends to be quite a cultural thing and yet there's a time to there's a time to put out the fire and there's a time to pat down the embers and when someone's putting out the fire the powerful questions sometimes just add fuel it's just being mindful from me as a practitioner and and as someone who looks to empower others there are times when we are able to more effectively help people to transfer authority and responsibility to them. In that aspect, when people are at the you know the crisis point, sometimes there's more important things than probing with the questions. Sometimes they need to get to a point where they are ready to be absorbed. And and again, this is kind of looking at things from a more, you know, mental health to mental wellness to mental illness spectrum. And sometimes people need something different. But like you say, quite often when they approach you, that is 
a sign. It's a signal that they are looking to get more clarity. They've searched in themselves. The answer's not presenting or they've started to see that they're stuck in that cycle, perpetually getting the same answer over and over again. And that is really the time when they are most absorbent to someone starting to question them, to dig deep inside of them. Yeah. Literally in so many ways, you give them the spade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what though? Like I guess I haven't even had that, you know, I guess, you know, some people uh, I think do this in a way of just venting. Yeah. But they don't know that, they don't realise that, the person they're venting to can also kind of maybe help and probe them back, but it's almost like they're venting and you don't, you won't be saying anything for a while and they just need to vent. It's like, okay, once you've vented now, can I ask you a question? Almost. Cause a lot of people vent, everybody vents, but people don't actually come to you saying, Hey, I need to talk something out loud. Like I need to think out loud with you to yeah. see if you could like maybe probe me in a way like question me just add some questions for me to kind of find the answers myself they don't do it in that way like nobody does it in that way I do because like I'm happy to say that like with the, with the few people yeah. that I do that with but people don't do that they just come to you and start venting instead yeah and it's kind of like you let them vent and then you let them breathe and then at some point they'll say what do you think and that is the key for you to say here is my spade and here are my questions. (laughs) Yeah. My first question. Don't take it, I guess, literally is what do you think? Don't, don't answer the question basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, at that point, you effectively give them just a minute to settle in themselves and then you hand them the spade and they'll almost look at you as if to say, what's this for? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And then, you ask a question and again what you will get from that venting if you're actually listening because again so many people they don't give people the space to vent and they switch off and then once they've vented it's like oh okay (laughs) yeah well they weren't listening they switched off exactly well because sometimes the the venting can go on for a while and Mm -hmm. um you know obviously if someone's just doing all the talking our brain will switch off and yeah. it's not conversing. Um, yeah. But, like, I guess, you know, pay as much attention as you can. Because yeah. yeah. usually when someone's venting, I think, they repeat themselves many yeah. times over. So there's one key yeah. thing that's standing out. Yeah. And what, what quite often happens is they'll vent, and they can vent for an hour. And, yet, yeah, if you're listening, and, again, it's, it's, it's challenging to listen completely actively for an hour. That, again, is another skill that we practice, but we're never taught to listen properly to people. No, no. We're we're taught to kind of, well, we just listen on the surface most of the time. But the thing is, when people go and put the brain out across a phone line to you or across a table, you will start to see, even if they don't cycle and repeat, the things they're saying all lead to one, two, or three points, and it's all interconnected. They yeah, exactly. Are your, they are your points of entry. They are main points. Questions. Yeah, and, and they'll say them in the beginning and then repeat them in the middle and say them again at the yeah. end. That's and, where they kind of go with that. As you're in those shoes, your intuition starts to say, this is where it's at. This is the problem. But you don't then go and say, 
ah, I know, I understand. As soon as you do that, you disempower them. That's right. That's so that's... what you do is you listen in their shoes. You start to feel these are the underlying issues here. Sometimes you don't have that initial clarity, but you then dig a little bit deeper into one of the things that's kept being highlighted. And you, you're literally going down. They're finding the wrong answers. Your questions just help them navigate themselves. Yeah, and yeah. It's almost in so many ways. Imagine, imagine a dot to dot. And when people vent, they're venting lots of different dots. And then you just help them question them to go a bit deeper into that one. Okay. And then you're starting to connect them all. And you know that at some point they will be, they'll suddenly, oh, can I? And they're starting to fill bits in as you're asking them questions. That's right. Exactly. You'll see their brains working. So like after you ask, I guess that's the key is just give it that silence and just stop and think. So I guess yeah. like, like like to like reiterate, like, you know, I guess the key here, the first thing would be what, what you said was like listening, like mm-hmm. allow, the, allow the silences, let the person speak and hear as much as they can. Listen to what's not being said. Yeah. And quite often you just take a moment to almost – summarize or paraphrase what they've said sure to, that, to like give it back throw it back to them so like is this is what is this what you mean as well yeah so like so you get clarity into like what they're thinking yeah so it, it gets that clarity but it also does is it shows that you're listening and people resonate and appreciate when they've just talked quite a lot and then suddenly the person who I'm in my head, I'm talking at is actually picking the relevant points and communicating that back to me. Yeah. I feel understood. I, ge- I guess that alone would empower someone. Yeah. And that's re- That's again, is really A very rare. The, yeah. The ability to kind of, because so often someone's trying to give you the answer. When someone gives you, Ah, I understand. I've got some clarity. This is what you said. Is is that what you mean with that? And then you can start to just literally, if you repeat it back to them, not say verbatim, but with with a, just a simple element, a simple sentence or two, to just help and assist them navigate. Because what it does is when you give them that reiteration of what they've said it helps them they grab that spade a little stronger because sure valued and appreciated yeah absolutely this, person is, this person's present because how often in life can you sit with someone with no big agenda and have them present with you charismatic in the way of presence so they're there with you helping you dig, you feel valued, you feel appreciated, you have the choice to dig deeper. We want the choice. That's what's empowering. People are empowered by being given the space, given the choice. So often we take other people's space away by solving the problems, filling the silence. So often we take their choice away by 
yeah. overpowering with our own beliefs, our own judgments, our own experience in the in the real way of things in a world with so much information and so much advice encouragement and empowerment comes with choice people the choice and giving people the space absolutely absolutely and you're saying the best way to do that is when you're asking questions do not ask why questions stick with the what and how yeah so they can then go deeper themselves the questions have to be they have to be open they have to be non-directive so what so often happens is we ask questions because we think that's where they're going to go. And that affects your choice of question because you start leading yeah. it that way. You want an outcome. You're like, oh, I want to get to this point, so I'll ask this question. Yeah. Sure. And as, and as soon as you think, I've got the solution here, your questions go off to that solution. Yeah. That's just how we're wired, again, with that target-orientated focus. So you've not got the answer you know what, you could at some point all the way down that line of questioning them say, I had a similar experience and this happened. But you don't say, oh, I know, I know, yeah. You always sit there while they speak and say, yeah. Yeah. Even if you have had the serious kind of similar experience, what's good for you or the next move that is good for the person that has the problem, you know, won't be the same as the other person who had that experience. But you don't realize, people don't realize, yeah, that was good for you, but it won't be good for me. It's not aligning for me. And that's the massive thing about us being so tunnel visioned in our own. And again, so often happens, we're passionate about the people that we care about. You know, we have love for them in so many aspects. And what so often happens is that blinds us down a very laser focused path to believe that. They're similar to us. We know the we've been there. We've been where you are. No, you're only there when you step to the side and you're in their shoes. And even then, they will know themselves better than you will ever know them. You can assist them to help them know themselves even more by giving them the space, giving them the choice. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lee. This has been an incredible conversation. I really enjoyed this. Um, I really love um, this topic in particular. Like, you know, I think we all should be doing this more with each other, like friends and family and and um, stepping aside and, uh, you know, probing, you know, the ones that we're closest to, the ones that we care about and that, and for them to empower themselves. Like, I think that's a great thing and something that we should be more aware of um, when we are communicating or sitting there having a glass of wine with a friend or whatever it may be, because people are always talking about their problems and people are always venting and people are always doing these things, but we're not really like, you know, people, like you said, everyone's trying to give them an answer, find a solution, but we're not allowing them to find an solution and empower themselves. So thank you so much for this. I think it's very beneficial for the listeners. And um, yeah, I was thinking more about that myself, like, you know, how I do that with my friends and things and definitely stay away from the why questions, <laughs> which really, <laughs> I think that's my thing. I was like, I don't know if I was asking why questions, but I was definitely being more aware of that right now. But yeah, I thank you so much for the conversation. I guess like what I do like to ask the speakers at the end is, you know, doing this having this conversation and talking out with me i know this is like part of your career but like has it highlighted anything to yourself even more or made yourself reflect a little differently oh definitely and, and again we, we go through life and you, your, your job your career your calling is part of your life and yet 
when you do this kind of thing, it's very easy to get stuck in I'm working or I'm not working and not always honouring the same things that you do at work that you do in your life. And in so many ways, this just gives me even more clarity about how that place of appreciation, choice and space and it's helped me articulate, I think, even more clearly for people, which is always incredibly valuable as we look to help people do this a little bit more for themselves, which then allows them to do it a little bit more for other people and spread the power of space, choice, questions, and a little bit of lateral thinking in their shoes into the whole world. And hopefully, maybe one day, we'll have a curriculum where well-being I don't think it'll be central, but it'll be embedded into every subject. So maths can be financial well-being. English can be the power of questions and words. Geography can be, you know, the economic, you know, the environment and how environmental well-being is vital. History can be lessons of how to do well-being and not do well-being. And every single subject that we do, yeah lovely bit of well-being threaded through it and we'll all be a little bit wiser for it absolutely that was beautiful thank you so much lee thank you for having thank you for coming onto the podcast it's a pleasure tiffany thank you for listening to get to know you if you enjoyed this podcast rate review and share the podcast on facebook or instagram you can tag me at get to know you with tiffany farrah in my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue i want to hear from you listeners the question again How can we probe someone to empower themselves? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We will include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.